GEICO could help you save on your motorcycle insurance. And that should make you and your bike very happy. The USC Marshall School of Business, executive education, two to seven day concentrated courses designed to help you get where you want to go in your career. Register online to fill a skill gap at uscexecutiveeducation.com. Learn it today. Use it tomorrow at uscexecutiveeducation.com. Listen up, ladies. Right now, Bare Minerals is inviting you to participate in a special nationwide giveaway of the mineral makeup everyone's talking about. That's right. We're letting everyone who calls try America's number one mineral makeup risk-free. Just call 1-800-600-8805 to find out how. This is an exclusive radio-only offer you don't want to miss. You've probably heard about Bare Minerals Foundation. It was quoted in Glamour Magazine as a magic eraser. Allure Magazine, InStyle, and Elle Magazines, and leaders in beauty continue to rave about how Bare Minerals Foundation is naturally radiant and good for your skin. Now you can participate in our nationwide giveaway and see for yourself. Bare Minerals, makeup so pure you can sleep in it. Experience the foundation that started the makeup revolution. Participate in this special opportunity to try Bare Minerals Foundation risk-free. And we'll also send you a free gift set. Just call 1-800-600-8805 now. Hurry, you don't want to miss this exclusive radio offer. 1-800-600-8805. Good is a game of three-on-three basketball. It's getting the hustle points and the high fives all around. Good is a can of Blue Diamond Wasabi and Soy Sauce Almonds which are full of spicy, tangy goodness. Get your good going. Blue Diamond Almonds. Get your good going in the new year by picking up the new Blue Diamond Thin Shell Almonds in the produce section of all Food for Less stores. Blue Diamond Thin Shell Almonds. They open by hand and are now available at all Food for Less stores. Good is a no-look behind-the-back pass. It's triple overtime and holding your breath with every free throw. Good is a can of Blue Diamond Smokehouse Almonds, which are full of hickory-smoked goodness. Get your good going. Blue Diamond Almonds. Get your good going by picking up the new Blue Diamond Thin Shell Almonds in the produce section at Albertsons. Blue Diamond Thin Shell Almonds, they open by hand and are now available at Albertsons. Honey, what's with the tuxedo? Uh, just getting used to being rich. Your gym teacher. Harris is giving away over two million bucks this year, so I'm getting a head start. I've already named my yacht. Don't even think about it, Skipper. Someone will win $1 million cash in Harris Rincon's Year of the Millionaire, a millionaire maker event. Earn entries all year for a drawing on December 31st. Plus, each month, there's a hundred grand up for grabs. Harris Rincon, come out and play. See the Total Reward Center for details. The following program is brought to you by TasteBud Entertainment. Welcome to two hours of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Hooray for Hollywood is right. Good morning, food lovers, and welcome. Another delicious edition of Food & Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. That's me, along with Lana, of course. Wouldn't have it any other way. We're having an Oscar party this Sunday morning, the night of the 85th 
Oscars, the Academy Awards, and we are saluting you and those that are dedicated to marvelous movies and, of course, to the parties that combine uh, fabulous food and fine wines. We're having an Oscar party, and you're invited. We're rolling out the red carpet for Hollywood's biggest night. We've got menu ideas, cocktail inspiration, wine pairings, and popcorn conversation coming up. So don't miss the festivities. Good morning to you, Lana. Good morning. It's eating and drinking like you've never done before this morning, so stay tuned. But let me tell you first what is on your plate. Two hours of delicious conversation and fabulous food right here on KFWB News Talk 980 every Sunday morning. We're serving up seconds at ChefJamie.com, and you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen, dishing about something delicious most often. Coming up in just a bit... Susan Classen is Academy Award winner Edith Head when she calls in to dish on costumes on the red carpet. You know Edith Head's legacy and perfectly appropriate for the Oscars tonight. We hope you will join us because Susan Classen plays in a role that she wrote um, called a, a conversation with Edith Head, a live performance where she is truly Edith Head reincarnate. Edith Head known um, for her costume design over the many years in fact the most uh, winningest uh, costume designer in the history of movies I think eight or nine Oscars she received yes and 35 nominations mm. in fact so she's calling in and we're inviting you to join us for a wonderful luncheon to benefit a charity an organization that Lana and I are proud to support called Working Wardrobes coming up on Friday March 15th at the West and South Coast Plaza Susan will be reenacting Edith Head as she does so brilliantly for a fashion show but you're going to hear her here in just a few minutes, in fact, mm -hmm. talking about the red carpet because we are all about lifestyle, about the delicious conversation that comes with food and wine, about eating well and healthy, and about everything having to do with the arts, of course. And we think tonight whether you're a movie buff or a food buff is something to celebrate. Also coming up just after Susan, you're going to hear an interview sitting in um, the private kitchen and sort of library of sorts of Jose Andres with Chef Joe Rafa. He is Jose's culinary director. And wait till you hear the genius perspective from this gentleman. We flew to Vegas to sit down and talk with Joe about Jose Andres's culinary style and how Joe perpetuates it. And it's really an incredible conversation. Also coming up, Alison Crary, one of the leading female winemakers in the country, is going to share the Oscar wines. Yes, the actual Sterling Vineyards bottles that are being served tonight at the Governor's Ball. And she's sharing with you how you can plan a wine tasting with bottles that you already have, whether you have a cellar or a wine wine rack in your downstairs coat closet. You could put together a wine tasting party for tonight. Also, Huri Sahakian, she's the pastry chef of Shortcake at LA Farmer's Market, getting lots of acclaim for her desserts. We asked her to dish on her best Oscar-worthy sweets. And so she's coming up next hour, along with Chef Michael Fiorelli. I love this guy. I love his style. He cooks for the Terranea Hotel, the beautiful oceanfront property here in Southern California. And then he goes home and he cooks really rustically. And he loves popcorn, which puts... Lana, he and I all in the same boat. And so he's sharing some inspired popcorn ideas because movie popcorn is great. Uh, but rosemary or basil or Parmesan or truffle scented popcorn tonight 
is even better. And we're going to dish on some Oscar cocktails. No matter your favorite movie, there's a cocktail to go along with it. Stay tuned. The Delicious Conversation is right here, right now. And we thought we would kick it off with some conversation about fun food facts. Every year, we're always delighted to highlight uh, the best of Wolfgang Puck's menu for the Governor's Ball. They start literally the day after the Oscars, according to my friend Matt Bensavanga from long time ago at Spago and has been with Wolfgang ever since. And they spend the entire year planning the menu. And the Governor's Ball tonight will feature the following extraordinary ingredients. 250 pounds of troll-caught Atlantic Big Eye, five kilos of American farm-raised caviar, 7,500 individual U.S. farmed shrimp, 30 gallons of cocktail sauce, 200 pounds of beluga lentils. Alana, oh, this one's right up your alley. 6,000 chestnut tortellinis. Mm. If we ask Wolfgang, we just want like one. We'll share. Yes, yes. He would have 5,999 left. 20,000 pieces of California-grown microgreens. 6,000 pieces of homemade mini brioche buns. 200 pounds of McGrath Farm strawberries and 1,600 pounds of unsalted butter will be used tonight to cook for the Hollywood celebrities at the Governor's Ball by Wolfgang Puck, Sherry Yard, and their teams. What I think is most impressive about the Oscar menu tonight is that it's very driven by seasonality. They're Mm -hmm. actually using local farmers markets, not just their produce purveyors, to bring in the product. And they have a very green initiative. And I mean that twofold. One, there are more vegetarian items on Wolfgang's menu than ever before for the Oscar party tonight, the governor's ball. Interestingly enough, vegetarian and vegan is one of the themes, as is small plates, which to me is perfect because we talk about very mm-hmm. often, that's how I like to eat. And I know you too, Lana. I don't really want my own entree in a restaurant. I want a bite of what I'm having and a bite of what you're having at the table next door. So small plates, certainly perfectly appropriate. Uh, Wolfgang is serving edamame guacamole tonight. He has a kale salad on his menu, as do we. Oh, I love that. I do too. And we're, then We're doing a kale Caesar. Yes, inspired by Wolfgang, Mm. but it has uh, Melissa's beets, brioche croutons, crumbled goat, and a roasted garlic Mm -hmm. Caesar dressing. I can't wait. And if you're running out at the end of the show to buy kale, don't forget to buy Tuscan kale. Yes, or black kale, Mm -hmm. it's also called. It's the most tender leave, and you want to make sure that you take out the stem or the fibrous part that runs through the Mm -hmm. leaf, no matter how you're preparing kale, whether it be raw in a salad uh, or sautéed or braised. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I think that it's definitely more toothsome without that center vein. It takes a little bit of prep, but it's most worth it. And cut it on the thin side. Yeah, and then you, toss it well. You like thin strips. So you could break it down a little bit. Andrew Weil taught you that. Mm-hmm. And then beluga lentils, by the way, on Wolfgang's menu, along with the most uh, incredible, illustrious, and decadent dessert menu from Sherry Yard I've ever seen. I will take a bake-to-order chocolate souffle cake with shaved espresso ice and a Concord grape macaroon, please. Purple is the theme, by the way, color-wise. And so you're going to mm-hmm. see purple everything, not only in the lighting, but in the uh, beautiful edible flowers that will uh, adorn Mm -hmm. the uh, 
the buffet in the tables. Right. Thank you so much. And Sherry's desserts as well. And did you know Edith's head's favorite color is purple? I know that. Yes. And, and the purple cocktail you have mm-hmm. a coming for the That's luncheon. Right. The local organic and sustainable focus on Wolfgang's menu is really all about um, U.S. raised or uh, farmed. And I think it's really incredible his commitment to California specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, plus the fact that there is an environmental responsibility tonight at the governor's ball for the Oscars. They are recycling, reusing, and repurposing. All the unused prepared food will be donated to End Hunger. Um, LA Specialty Chefs to End Hunger is the organization um, that will contribute to educating and to uh, creating awareness. Um, The plastics, the metals, the glass, the paper, and the cardboard will all be recycled. And the floral arrangements are actually being donated to homes for the aging. And then the containers are being recycled, which I I think is fabulous. That's marvelous. Absolutely. When you make informed choices, as we all have the ability to, Yes. We could really make a big change. Well, you make a big statement, mm-hmm. and I hear you, and I hope that we we all hope that um, everyone listening can commit to something green tonight. That will make a difference. Um, we hope that you'll commit to continuing to listen, too, because there's some more delicious conversation coming up. And on the website at chefjamie.com, if you wanted to plan your own Oscar menu, you could be inspired by Wolfgang Puck. We've posted his tuna tartare recipe in sesame miso cups that was mm. created, in fact, in the 90s and has been a legendary recipe of his ever since. It's posted on the website. Plus, I put together a six-ingredient recipe that's one of my favorites, and it's super simple for an amaretto shrimp. You'll never believe it. It's exceptionally flavorful. And if you served it over rice um, or if you put it in Chinese soup spoons and set it out as an hors d'oeuvre, you would have the most incredible amaretto shrimp tonight for dinner. I also posted a decadent chocolate orange mousse, and I think the two of those recipes go together for Mm -hmm. Oscar dinner right away. And then Lana, I loved your thought. If you don't have time, you could definitely create a themed menu for the Oscars tonight. And just go to your favorite uh, Middle Eastern restaurant, Mediterranean restaurant, take out hummus and baba ganoush and all the pita bread, or even your local market will have all of that for you. Put out a spread. You are instantly with half of the uh, movies nominated. Yes, that you are. (laughs) I love it. Uh, We have a technique of the week all about how to make brilliant banana bread, and it's about the Mm -hmm. magic of creating this combination of sour cream and baking powder. Lana, I can't wait for you to share Mm -hmm. that beautiful crumb that delectable banana bread that we shared with some friends and everybody called you begging for more. Mm. You know the recipe's good. Oh, the texture is beautiful. Incredible. We're going to talk about how to make brilliant banana bread coming up. Mm -hmm. And then also we want to congratulate our longtime cruise line partner, Oceana Cruises. We're very proud to cruise with Oceana. I will be cooking on board the marina in the Bon Appetit Culinary Center coming up this September. And just so you know, Oceana Cruises cruise ship the marina was just rated the best food at sea in this month's prestigious Condé Nast Traveler readers poll 98.2 points out of a hundred baby mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive that I have is to say. over crystal cruises seaborne and silver seas yeah that is outstanding mm-hmm. so to the renowned master chef Jacques Pepin 
Thank you for elevating cruise cuisine. And uh, to all of you, there's still space available. Come cruise with us. We're cruising the Baltics from uh, Copenhagen uh, to Sweden, Stockholm, mm-hmm. that is. It should be an oh. extraordinary With extraordinary stops in St. Petersburg yes. and Tallinn and um, Berlin. A memorable and delicious mm-hmm. experience. And it is the best food afloat. Yes, that it is. There's more information at chefjamie.com. Coming up, it's our ode to the Oscars. You're going to hear from Edith Head. Well, almost herself. Mm-hmm. Susan Classen right after this as we celebrate the Oscars with menu inspiration coming up. Don't go away. This is the only radio show in Southern California with true taste. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio, you have the good taste to have tuned in as the delicious conversation continues. Food, drink, and the arts, really what my life is all about. And I hope yours too, since you're listening to this fabulous food and inspired conversation. We are all about the Oscars. Lana and I love an Oscar party and Lana's throwing one at her house. And I've been uh, certainly uh, assisting as the sous chef with the cooking per se. Um, But I will say too, that we get very wrapped up in the movies and in the glamour and in Hollywood itself. And we recently met an extraordinary woman who is really sort of reliving for those of us that love the world of movies, the life of an extraordinary talent in Hollywood. In her six decades of costume design, Edith Head worked on over 1,100 films. She dressed the greatest stars of Hollywood. She received 35 Academy Award nominations, won an unprecedented eight Oscars. And her story is as fascinating as the history of the film industry industry itself. We met Susan Classen some time back. No, um, Edith Head. Edith Head. Well, you know what? I will say most people do get a bit confused mm-hmm. through Working Wardrobes, an organization that gives back by clothing men, women, veterans, and teens and putting them in a great suit or an incredible outfit and then teaching them how to get back into uh, the world of work, back into um, a, a job, a place that allows their lives to be, be bettered. And uh, Susan gave her time to benefit Working Wardrobes and we love to pay it forward and give back. So we are delighted to be joined by the inspired writer and star of A Conversation with Edith Head right now in your radio, Susan Classen. You choose Susan or Edith. We will tell you it won't be so easy. Good morning to you, Susan. Oh, it's great to speak with you, (laughs) Chef Jamie and Lana, two stylish Stylish people. Well, thank you very much. Tell everyone, if you would, how you were inspired to share this story of Edith Head today, current. Well, actually, I was watching the biography channel, and I saw a biography of Edith Head, and certainly I was aware of her, but never to the detail of how inspiring her story was. So I watched, and the more I watched, the more I knew there really was an incredible tale there. She was an executive woman before there was such a thing. She was a master of self-promotion. She was on radio. She was on TV with Art Linkletter. She wrote for (laughs) every single publication, every movie magazine. She went around the world doing fashion shows, a line of patterns. And when she started, it really was a boys' club. Mm -hmm. But what she achieved, as you said, was unprecedented. Why, after 32 years that she's been gone, is she featured in the Entertainment Weekly's 
Oscar edition. Yes, I, I, you know, I saw that. I was uh, perusing the internet. It's amazing because when you search Edith Head for photos online, you come up, <laughs> Susan. And I, I think it's amazing that not only you had done the homework and been very intrigued by the story of Edith Head, but you do bear a striking, a striking resemblance rather to her. It's funny, before I did the show, and I'm artistic director of Invisible Theater in Tucson, and I've done a lot of acting, prior to my beginning to do Edith Head, no one ever told me that I looked like her. <laughs> Until now, and I just Until have to... after I started doing yes, Edith. Yes, I have to recount a story. We had the privilege of dining mm-hmm. for lunch with Edith Head. Um, <laughs> Susan, we knew it was you. Um, at the... Uh, it was well, Edith Head. Some did. At Marche Moderne, one of our favorite restaurants at South, 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 South Coast Plaza. I'll get it out. Edith sort of throws me a little bit because I will say it is really an incredible uh, vision to see Susan reincarnate as, Eden, as Edith. But we had um, been dining with Florent Morneau and Amelia at his luxurious restaurant with a whole big group. And there is a server there, Susan, that you know I know very well. And following that luncheon, I was there for dinner and he said to me this was a few days post he said to me you know Jamie I was so taken to meet Edith Head at that luncheon and I said I I know it was really incredible and he said I was so thoroughly embarrassed because for half the luncheon I really thought it was her until someone had told me she passed away a long time ago (laughs) what a testament to who and what you are and who you play Well, thank you. Thank you. It is such a privilege to keep this incredible woman's legacy Mm -hmm. alive, and it is an awesome responsibility. So I'm constantly researching, and to me, I think most people know I'm not Edith Head, and I know I'm not Edith Head, but people want to share a moment, a memory where they go back and see. I was just, you know, watching CBS Sunday Morning, and there they showed that gorgeous Elizabeth Taylor dress that we have the recreation of from A Place in the Sun. Those things are timeless. And as Edith said, you know, that fashion is timeless. And I like to say when we did that Valentino luncheon, I I attributed this, as Edith would have said, you know, that Valentino was to fashion what I am to film. Because good fashion lives on. Why do we see a classic and a vintage Valentino on the red carpet? Oh. Because it's timeless. And it's and timeless. we will continue to see it tonight and for the many years of the Academy Awards to come. One of the things that all of us have in common, Edith Head, yourself, Susan, Lana, and I, is that we love fabulous food. And there was a recipe made very famous by Edith, the signature recipe she made in her home, that in fact is being served at the Working Wardrobes Luncheon coming up on March 15th. And we would love if you would share the background on chicken casaladera. Well, you know, Edith really loved to entertain at her home. She was definitely A-list, but her entertaining was more with the, she and her husband, Weird Enan, who uh, also won an Academy Award, and uh, they were really about the discussion. They were both so smart. They were intellectuals. So uh, Vincent Minnelli would be a regular guest at the house. Um, and she would, the same attention to detail as she had in her design, she would have in the presentation of her food. So it would be color-coordinated, 
<laughs> it would be fabulously displayed. There uh, might be uh, a Mexican influence there, which uh, Chicken Casa Ladera, that's what her house was called up on Coldwater Canyon. It was called uh, Casa Ladera, House on the Hill. And this, I think, has a, the, the recipe has uh, certainly with the olives, and I'm sure you'll share what it is, has kind of a southwestern flair yes. to it. Yes, that it does. We've posted it at chefjamie.com. So if tonight you would like to be inspired by mm. the greatest costumes uh, and certainly the, the greatest timeless wardrobes of all time, you can cook like Edith Head. We've posted the recipe for chicken casa ladera, sautéed mushrooms, uh, black olives, sherry to deglaze, some chopped chives over um, good, hearty, rustic, roasted chicken. Uh, it's a beautiful sauce, Lana, and I have created it a couple of times over and uh, we hope that it inspires you to be a better cook like many of the famous Hollywood greats mm -hmm. like Edith Head. And it's relatively easy to make. It really is. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's no doubt. Um, with think, a, you know, Edith was a working woman. Yes, that she was. <laughs> yeah, and, and you and you have to have quick and easy recipes. Susan, with about a minute or, left, uh, or so left here, tonight is the Academy Awards. If we were planning our outfit, what would Edith say? She would say, make it comfortable, make it easy for you to wear, make it true to yourself. Yes. As she likes to say, you can be anything you want in life as long as you dress for it. So mm -hmm. I would advise everyone to dress like winners. Yeah. <laughs> and when we think that your not only performance, but your um, vision of Edith Head and the way that you have created sellout crowds of these incredible theater performances of a conversation with Edith Head across the country and around the world is just extraordinary. We think you are a winner uh, time and time again, and we thank you for your commitment to philanthropy and charity, and we can't wait to see you on March 15th. Wonderful. I look forward to seeing... What are you wearing? No. Oh, gosh. I haven't even thought. Lana, do you know what you're wearing? Oh, something very Edith Head. Yes. Long skirt. You do, you do, need, a, you do need approval yes. from the Hollywood diva. Oh. There's no doubt. I'll email. <laughs> uh, having appeared across the country and around the world to sell out crowds in London, Edinburgh, San Francisco, Key West, Chicago, and Tucson, it is called A Conversation with Edith Head, an incredible live performance from Susan Klassen inspired by the life of Edith Head. You can meet Edith reincarnate uh, coming up at the working wardrobes luncheon which we are proud to support on march 15th 2013 for a glorious fashion show to support working wardrobes tickets are still available for this enchanting event it is a luncheon being held at the west and south coast plaza and you can learn more at workingwardrobes.org workingwardrobes.org and you can learn more about susan classen by going to edithhead.biz as the delicious conversation continues, Susan, always a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Joe Rafa. to speak with you both. Thank and, you so much. And you, of course. Uh, Chef Joe Rafa, he leads the Jose Andres restaurant empire, and you're going to want to hear this. We'll be right back. Fusion of cuisines, but it's presenting both side by side and allowing you to appreciate how they're similar and how they're different and why they belong. 
And I wonder how the kitchen works. Are you separated? We know in the dining room there are great culinary talents that form dumplings uh, over an eight-hour period every day to absolute perfection. But does the kitchen work in um, separate designs, separate creations? No, the kitchen is one line. Okay. There are walks on one end and a more traditional grill, range, flat-top fryer. Uh, but it's all one line, and when we opened, yes, it was mostly Chinese working the walk, but it's not that way anymore, two and a half years in. Actually, one of our best walk people is Mexican. See, I think it's fascinating how the ethnicities combine, how the cultures combine, and how we see the familiarities in all the food. And of course, Jose loving the fact that everything was started by a Spaniard, right? I know from talking with you as well that he is a voracious reader, as you mentioned. So I, I think it's very genius that over the past five centuries, we've seen the correlation, and then you've dreamed up a menu that brings it to fruition today, which takes us to this extraordinary meal. And we really um, need to go dish by dish. Okay. I, I think we should start with dessert, only to please Lana's palate once again, because it would be like having it all over again. There is something ethereal in the mouthfeel, if that's even feasible, Joe, this concept of ethereal mouthfeel in the mango dessert that is not to be missed. I absolutely agree. It is a very light dessert. Most of our desserts are. We have, in Think Food Group, probably one of the most talented pastry chefs in the country in Rick Billings, one of our favorites. He and Jose come up with some amazing dishes. That mango dessert is a perfect illustration, though, of what Jose's theory of food is. You, you stick to tradition, you understand tradition, but you make it lighter, you make it fresher, you make it more vibrant, you make the flavors bigger. Close your eyes and the flavors remind you of where you are, of the country you're representing, of the cultures you're representing. But it's light and it's big. Okay, so talk us through the dish, each component, because it's a combination of flavors, but it's a combination of textures and temperatures as well. Yeah, so you have an orange granite in the bottom of the dish, it's actually cold. You have rice espuma, so think rice pudding, the liquid out of a rice pudding. Yes. We just take the rice out of it when it's all done cooking. But you have the flavor the of the rice. It's all cooked together, but then strained out so you have the liquid that we make a, a foam out of, basically. Right. Not airy, but a, a, a light, fluffy foam. Uh, you have beautiful mango. You have those crunchy... Ooh, rice crispy, snacky, yummy. Yes. Crunchies. Because it's, 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 it is what you said, temperature, it's mouthfeel, it's texture, yes. it's flavor. You have a little cilantro, micro cilantro to help, you know, give you the herby brightness. brightness. Huh. You have to taste green. I have to have 80 more. It's delicious. Oh, and it's you really could. Delicious. It's light enough that you could. All right, so we've started at the end and we'll skip to the beginning. I don't think a meal at Chino Poblano would be possible without When Pigs Fly. Yeah. And there is something to be said for a pork bun in our book that is never to be missed. You actually offer it in two styles, one of which has a, a sweetened condensed milk that's made in-house yeah, that ourselves. is just delectable. Well, and the, and the condensed milk harkens back to what you have in coffees in Hong Kong and other parts of China, mm -hmm. right? So that's an, it's an element that's culturally accurate. But the golden pig was, the when pigs fly, the actual steamed pork bun that we make, yes. is very traditional, 
but as, as we've said with the dessert, it's a lighter version. Mm -hmm. uh, it took us months of work to get the dough where we wanted it, to get the right layers of, of pork fat and, and meat and that unctuous mouthfeel mm -hmm. that just, it, it, it's so, it makes you so happy. If you feel the fat on your lips, you know it's oh, working you're right. Oh, right place. Um, so we worked a long time on that dumpling and we were very happy with it. And one day, one of our sous chefs had the bright idea to deep fry it to see what would happen. <laughs> I love him. And so we did that. What we got out was a slightly sweeter version but richer and deeper, and you're now adding an element of crunch yes. that wasn't there in the yes. steamed bun. Uh -huh. And we, we sat around and tried to decide what it needed, and it needed the condensed milk. So we, we made some, and it was just, it was fabulous. It it's just, it's but, sweeter. And it was actually, the funny, it was named the best dessert on the strip at one point in some magazine in Las Vegas, and we did not tell our pastry chef for months that the best dessert on the strip was not one of his desserts, but it was, right. a, it was a pork bun that we deep fried. Right, but a savory sauce, that, or a sweet sauce that was considered yes. a savory component, maybe, however you want to call when it. When he found out, he was still very happy. <laughs> we were concerned. Two more dishes we must okay. cover before we let you go. The shrimp mojo, which I think is a lesson in black garlic. And yes. if you would... I'd love to know more ideas or inspiration as to how to use it at home because this was a sauce that was extremely unique in its flavor profile and addictive. I, we couldn't get enough. And it's another one of those dishes that, that represents how Jose looks at food. So one day, one of our produce vendors brought black garlic to us. This was quite a few years ago. And we tasted it, we loved it, did not know how to use it. So we started thinking through Mexican food that had a lot of garlic. And there aren't too many examples of that. But there is a shrimp dish uh, that is in the Mexican, in Mexican cuisine, very popular. It's a very garlicky dish. And it's about the only one they have that's like that. So we took the dish apart. We substituted components. We substituted just plain white garlic for black garlic. Because the black garlic has this beautiful, smooth, sweet, figgy, and like balsamic vinegar. Yeah, yes, it is. It's very figgy. And yes. for those that don't know it, it's actually a fermented product. Yes. So it's, it's not fresh, per se, or natural in its form. It's a fermented, uh, pickled style well, they, they, they take the head product. of garlic and they, and they put it in a temperature, con a humidity-controlled oven for, I believe, five weeks, four or five weeks. And the temperature and the humidity in the oven convert those enzymes mm -hmm. and sugars, and they caramelize it. So you go from sharp, acrid garlic to sweet, beautiful, smooth black garlic, yes. and then they dry it out. You taste it, and it's just its smooth, it's creamy, oh. and it's so sweet and beautiful. And the mouthfeel is and incredible. It was incredible. So we took this, we made a sauce out of it to substitute for garlic in a traditional dish. And the substitution worked beautifully. Yeah, well, congratulations. Yes, quite beautifully. You just want more. <laughs> Thank you for uh, an exceptional and 
insightful conversation and one that allowed us to better get to know the incredible culinary creations of Jose Andres and what you continue to do to grow this gastronomic pleasure in restaurants across the country, no doubt. This is a culinary voyage. Do not miss Chino Poblano noodles and tacos at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. He is Chef Joe Rafa, the executive chef for Think Food Group, and we'll post more along with photos and uh, an entire breakdown of the best of the best at Chino Poblano at ChefJamie.com. Chef, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. As the delicious conversation continues, don't touch your dial. You just might learn something truly scrumptious right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. It is Oscar Sunday, and just because you're not sashaying down a red carpet at the 85th Academy Awards this evening doesn't mean you can't enjoy a little glamour at home. Whether you're a movie buff or a wine buff, this conversation is for you because every great Oscar party, big or small, deserves fine wine. The winemaker responsible for creating this year's Oscar Governor's Ball Wines is Sterling Vineyard's Allison Crary. She is one of a handful of nationally noted women winemakers, and we are delighted that she is joining us live this morning. Uh, good morning to you, Allison, and a very happy Oscar Sunday. Good morning, Jamie. How are you? <laughs> I'm well, and you? Good. Good, I'm glad. Okay, so tell us, if you would, about the two extraordinary wines that you are bringing to Hollywood's biggest party of the year tonight. Yes, well, first of all, we are so thrilled <laughs> to have been chosen to be the exclusive uh, wines of the uh, Oscars and the Governor's Ball this evening. And uh, as you can imagine, for such an opulent and decadent affair as the Oscars are, we have uh, chosen to go with our most outstanding wines, our two flagship reserve wines. So we will be serving our 2009 uh, Sterling Vineyards Reserve Chardonnay from Napa Valley, as well as our 2007 Sterling Vineyards Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, and I have to say, I'm not opening them this morning because my friends would be really mad at us tonight. Yes. Lana and I are <laughs> we're big Oscar party people, so we have a, a huge evening planned. Um, but I'm staring at the two beautiful bottles that you sent, and we thank you because we will be toasting you all throughout the Oscars and knowing that we are drinking the red carpet wines is, is quite fabulous. Talk to us, if you would, about the 2009 vintage. This uh, Chardonnay was barrel-fermented, I know, and it has... Lots of beautiful richness to it. And from my tasting notes that I'm setting out this evening, I know that you're known for a, a very toasty vanilla finish, which, by the way, is one of the things we love about you. Absolutely. You know, the 2009 vintage was very good to us in the Napa Valley. Mm. It was uh, really a classic vintage in the sense that we didn't experience a lot of uh, extremes of weather, so no big heat spikes and no cool summers, for instance. Um, so the conditions for ripening these grapes were just perfect. Our Reserve Chardonnay, we actually have two vineyards that we source this wine from. Uh, one is down in Carneros, the most southern part of the valley where cool fog roll, uh, rolls in off the San Pablo Bay. And the other vineyard is uh, up in Yontville. It's just a little bit warmer up there. So we have this incredible balance of very rich and tropical fruit notes from the uh, Chardonnay that's grown in Yontville. Mm. Some notes of, I always liken it to uh, dried pineapple mm -hmm. or poached pear, balanced by the bright acidity and sort of green apple crispness of the Chardonnay that comes from our vineyard down in Carneros. 
the two together just really work magic on the palate. Mm-hmm. It's rich and broad at sort of what I would call the front of the wine, mm-hmm. and it's uh, very crisp and refreshing on the finish. I love the idea of pairing your 2009 Reserve Chardonnay with all of the small plates. We had a Ooh, sneak yeah. peek, yes, of Wolfgang's menu, and he's definitely gone to a vast amount of flavors this year. And incredible. So incredible. A, a compilation menu like I've never seen before. But you need definitely a white wine to start with those orders and the, some of the small plate entrees that's as versatile as yes. what you're serving. Yes, and, you know, one of the things that we really strive for at Sterling Vineyards is to make sure that our wines are always very, very food-friendly. Yes. We want to make sure that they're going to go with whatever you happen to be serving or whatever kind of party food you happen to be hosting with. Uh, And we do that by really maintaining the natural acidity that's in the wine. Now, it's not an acid wine. It's a very rich and round wine, especially our uh, Chardonnay and our our Cabernet both. Mm -hmm. But having that touch, that hint of acidity in there really balances with most of the foods that we eat. And, for instance, I was looking over the menu for this evening, and, again, I have to admit, I was just blown away by what uh, Chef Wolfgang Puck and his team have come up with. I was thinking that our reserve Chardonnay would pair so well with some of the small plates like the roasted chestnut tortellini with white truffles. That sounds amazing. Yes. The tuna tartare sesame cones that he's so well known for. I saw the recipe on your website. I think it was last week or a week ago. Yeah, if there was anything. incredible. It's it's still posted, in fact, because if there was anything Oscar-worthy, it's the tuna tartare cones that Wolfgang has made famous. And I thought, too, that it would be a beautiful pairing, pairing, rather, to your um, Sterling Chardonnay. Yes, absolutely. The richness of the tuna with the sesame oil that's in that tartare, nice. as well as that sort of crisp and almost, it's almost like a caramelized tone of the, uh, of the actual cone itself, little sesame cone, would just be an amazing pairing with our reserve Chardonnay. Yeah, a beautiful, subtle sweetness. We're mm-hmm. serving um, a kale Caesar salad tonight Ooh, after hors d'oeuvres, and there's a rich brioche crouton strewn throughout. Um, there's wonderful, um, bright, beautiful, fresh chevre or goat cheese. Mm. And then we're throwing in the beauty of um, sweet roasted beets, the baby beets that we love. Mm-hmm. And we thought that it might be a perfect pairing, too, to your Chardonnay because you have that complexity of flavor, but you're still touching on the the richness, the sweetness, um, the bright, uh, you know, sort of garlicky flavor of the salad dressing as well. Do you think it will work? I think it would work Great. Do you want to come over? The, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> uh, I have to say that the great thing about food and wine pairing, or some of the things that I've learned over the years, is that it's really paying attention to those small details in a dish that makes or breaks the food and wine pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll be the first to say that, you know, absolutely drink what you like with what you like to eat. But when you do pay attention, as you well know, to a great food and wine pairing, Anybody who does that will be handsomely rewarded because the the sum of the two is so so much greater than the individual parts. And so, for instance, the salad that you just described, the brioche crouton, that sort of rich, uh, almost, uh, you know, buttery brioche, the the richness of the chev, and the almost caramelized sweetness of those baby beets, I think, would work perfectly with the Chardonnay. Mm, We can't wait to open the bottle. Uh, Talk to us about what I call your red carpet red, the Sterling Vineyards 2007 Cabernet Sauvignon Reserve. I know from what I'm expecting when I open the bottle is a tremendous, rich, dark chocolate note, Um, which, by the way, you had me at dark chocolate. Yes. 
Yes. (laughs) Being a winemaker, I always strive to kind of envision how the wine is going to taste, how it's going to smell in the future, because, you know, we're picking the grapes at least for years before the wine will be released. And uh, these wines, especially our reserve wines, are really meant to age. They're meant to develop in the bottle. They're meant to take on an incredible bottle bouquet. And so with our 2007 Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, we uh, basically sat down, thought about what is that finish I'm looking for. I'm really looking for those dark chocolate, kind of melting tannins on the finish, Um, really a beautiful entry, uh, some notes of coffee, espresso, vanilla, uh, carried along on the palate by cassis and black raspberry and some of these woodsier uh, red and black fruits. Mm. You know, that's the vision that we set out to create, and I think we were very, very successful with the 2007 Reserve Cabernet. It was also just an amazing vintage for Napa, and uh, the wine, anybody who decides to age the wine from, you know, even today forward will also be very much rewarded when they open the bottle in a few years. In 2007, definitely known for Cabernet from Napa as a very good vintage and ready to drink now, would you say, as a general statement? Yes, I would say ready to drink now. For our reserve wines, I tend to think that uh, they are tasting at their, you know, I hate to say at their peak, but it's really true. They're tasting at their peak about five years in from the vintage date. Mm -hmm. Now, the wine itself, you have to uh, recall, or your listeners may want to recall, has been aged already for two years in small French oak barrels down in our caves at at our winery in Calistoga. And then uh, when we pull together the reserve, which just to make it clear, that word really has a lot of meaning for us at Sterling. Our reserve Cabernet and our reserve Chardonnay, these are not just the best lots of Cabernet Sauvignon or Chardonnay that's coming out of the vineyard that year. They're the best barrels of the best lots coming out each year. So we pull those together into this incredible reserve wine and bottle it, and then we age it another year before we actually release the wine. So the wine has already aged for at least three years under our care before we, re- uh, before we release it to the public. You know, I will say, Allison, and by the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late and you're listening, we're glad to have you here. But I will say, you've missed the best of this <laughs> delicious conversation. This is your wine forum, and Allison Crary is the winemaker for Sterling Vineyards. They are the featured red carpet wines at Oscar Nights Hollywood's biggest party of the year. If you didn't know, um, it takes... Uh, 1,824,000 premium sterling grapes to create the wines for the Oscar celebrations, and 13,680 total glasses of sterling vineyards wine will be served this evening. I think it's incredible. Ever since I visited Napa and was there to experience Crush, mm-hmm. I, I think I had a whole new appreciation and respect for the bottle, for what it took to get those beautiful clusters of grapes one by one pressed and blended and into the bottle and then corked and topped and all of a sudden you realized that of the value wines that are out there and for those of us who are willing to pay good money for incredible sips I think that there's so much greater appreciation when you really understand the process Allison, we'd love more time with you. Do you have a few more minutes? Sure. Okay, please stay with us. Don't go away. I love this analogy for Oscar night tonight. 
the winemaker's job, like a director, is to create a best picture with each vintage. She is the winemaker at the helm of Sterling Vineyards, Allison Crary. More right after this. We're going to plan your mini wine tasting party for this evening so that you can bring some bottles out from your cellar or your wine rack and truly enjoy the best of the bottle. There is more delicious conversation on food and wine right after this. Don't go away. Chef Jamie Wen along with Lana. You're listening to KFWB News Talk 980. Welcome to the second hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Welcome back. This is the second hour of Food and Wine with me, Chef Jamie Gwen. As the delicious conversation continues, wake up and dig in. If you love to cook or love to eat, I like to say we can definitely be friends. Coming up, pastry chef Huri Sahakian of Shortcake here in Los Angeles at the L.A. Farmer's Market. She's giving her insight as to what makes the perfect sweet for Oscar night tonight. Stay tuned. There's some delicious dessert conversation coming up. And the chef of Terranea Hotel, that gorgeous Los Angeles resort property, Michael Fiorelli, is joining us. He has a really incredible commitment to sustainability, and he loves popcorn, something that he, Lana, and I have in common. We're going to dish on some gourmet popcorn treats, essential for any movie party like Oscar night tonight. But we continue our conversation here with the winemaker at the helm of Sterling Vineyards. She is one of a few female winemakers that no doubt is being nationally noted for her palate and for her passion, for sure. She is Allison Crary of Sterling Vineyards, and her Reserve 2009 Chardonnay and the 2007 Reserve Cabernet both being served at tonight's Big party, there's no doubt, biggest party of the year. It is Oscar night, and this is where people that love wine come to talk about food and wine. Allison, if we wanted to tie in a wine tasting focus, let's say, or a wine tasting opportunity with tonight's award ceremony, how would we do it best? Well, I would say wine is a perfect pairing with the Oscars because the Oscar event itself, the Academy Awards, is such a glamorous event. Uh, you know, the, the best of the world's uh, personalities and fashion are on display. And wine really complements that so well. It's also very elegant and very opulent. And it's, uh, you know, from my point of view, it's the perfect beverage for an, an evening like this. And I would say that uh, one of the things I might recommend for um, for hosting your own Oscar party, let's say, is uh, is to have a lot of different small bites, a buffet set up so that your guests can really take in all of the awards and the entire show. And from a wine tasting point of view, it really gives you the opportunity to pair different wines with different foods. Yes. So you might have, for instance, a great Chardonnay. You might have a Sauvignon Blanc or a Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, available for people to taste with different foods, and it really gives them the chance to find which wine they like to pair with which food. 
and it's a lot of fun. I like the idea, you know, we have some friends coming over actually to Lana's house that are great wine aficionados and they're bringing some bottles and a couple of our other friends are bringing choices that are top of their list mm-hmm. and then we're pulling out a couple of bottles. I always find that big celebratory nights are the best times to pull out bottles from whether you have a r- wine rack in your coat closet or an impressive cellar. Uh, I think that the wines that go unnoticed are those that you've laid down and forgotten about. And so this is the night tonight to bring them out, to celebrate them, to gather friends together, put on your sweatpants and a boa or a bow tie for that matter, and stay home and just relish the beauty of being able to enjoy great wine and fine food and fabulous friends. Indeed. Well, you've really touched upon one of my favorite things about wine, and that is that as far as I'm concerned, wine bottles are always meant to be shared. Yes. It's wonderful to have the chance to taste a wine, but really the experience is about sharing the wine. Mm. It's about sharing you know, your own experiences and your own travels, let's say, with your friends to tell them all about the winery that you visited or mm-hmm. to tell them about a fabulous meal that you had. And it's really the chance for them to do the same. Wine is something that brings people together, and it allows uh, conversations to spring up. And it really is a great way to share not just wine, but time with the people that really matter to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to celebrate an occasion, like the Academy Awards. We're so thrilled to be the exclusive wine of the Academy Awards this year. And I think uh, one of the reasons that I'm personally thrilled to be a part of this is that not everybody can make it to Hollywood to see the Academy Awards. <laughs> but everybody around the country and around the world, if they so choose, can curl up with a glass of our 2011 Napa Valley Chardonnay or our 2010 Sterling Vineyards Napa Valley Cabernet, and they'll be enjoying the same glass of wine that the stars will be enjoying on the red carpet. I mean, it's, it's absolutely perfect. I think it's amazing that you, you can really have and share that same experience. When it comes to experiencing great wine, like Sterling, which you know um, I am a great fan, talk to us. I always like to ask winemakers what their favorite glass is to serve in. And not only proper glassware conversation, but what you like to drink out of. Because I think that there is as much room for uh, choices in glassware as there is uh, for what you said earlier, which is drink what you like. You don't have to have the exact perfect Bordeaux glass, but there's certainly benefits to certain components or aspects of what we serve in. Yes. I have to say glassware does make an incredible difference in the way that you are able to experience a wine. Yes, it does. Different glass you know, what we call the bowl or the, you know, the, the, the goblet, if you will, the goblet uh, part of the wine glass, different shapes of those bowls will really allow you to experience the aroma in a completely different way. You know, a wider bowl will uh, really capture the incredible aroma, for instance, of a Pinot Noir, or a more narrow bowl might uh, capture and almost concentrate some of the aromas of a wine like a really bright white aromatic wine like a uh, Sauvignon Blanc. So glassware does definitely make a difference. But I have to say I balance, <laughs> I balance this also because I'm a fairly busy woman, and I certainly like my dishwasher. <laughs> and uh, I have recently come across uh, 
you know, the wine glasses that are stemless. I was so just going to say. Right into the dishwasher. Rack, and they're lifesavers. You've gone stemless, girl. Indeed. Yes, yeah, you absolutely. are a stemless it's girl. For casual evenings, it's the way to go. You know, when I'm having a, a, a great meal and having friends over and we're really, uh, you know, taking time out for one another, we break out, well, I shouldn't say break out, but we uh, definitely get the uh, uh, best wine glasses that uh, we have in our cabinets and bring them down, polish them up. But, you know, we don't do that every day, you know, and I do like to enjoy uh, wine with uh, with my dinner. Yes. And so uh, the stemless, uh, stemless glassware is a, is, a, is a way to enjoy everything that a wine really offers you, but to have the convenience of being able to put it in the dishwasher. Yeah, and I have to agree with you wholeheartedly. I am a great fan of the Riedel stemless glasses. Exactly. I find, too, when you have a whole big group at your home, uh, whether you're celebrating or it's a casual Thursday night, let's say, mm-hmm. um, stemless stemware mm-hmm. uh, never topples over. Mm-mm. And so there's a safety factor in it, too. And no matter what your reason, whether it's your love for your dishwasher, which you and I share, or the fact that you're looking for convenience, there is truly nothing wrong um, with the stemless glass that is out there. And uh, I'm with you. Definitely I not. Completely and if you're agree. also someone who really likes to have light home furnishing, yes. like me, <laughs> and I make red wine, maybe not the best choice. That's true, yeah. But Lo- having the glasses not tip over is a, is a really good idea, too. Love my beige couch. Um, yes. Last <laughs> but not least, talk to us, if you would, about your opinion on... Um, to decant or not to decant? That is the question. I have a, a firm love for decanting. I believe in it only because I love to aerate wine for the sheer benefit of the aroma um, before you take a sip. And so I've never uh, been opposed to it. I wonder, as a, a grand winemaker as you are, what your thoughts are. Well, decanting is, uh, you know, it's really about personal taste. Mm-hmm. There's no question that decanting makes a difference because it does. It will make a difference in how the wine smells and how it tastes. Yes. So I tend to lean toward decanting if I am pouring a younger wine, a wine that may not have uh, yet fully developed in the bottle. Um, so let's say, for instance, right now it's 2013, so some 2009 and even some 2010 Cabernets are coming out uh, into the market these days. I might lean toward decanting something like that so I can really experience the full aroma and full body of the wine. Without that little bit of air, the wine remains what we winemakers would call it. It just remains tight. It remains closed. And so if you give the wine a little bit of air by decanting it, you'll be able to really experience all that the wine has to offer. Mm. But for older vintages, I tend to shy away from decanting because I actually like to be able to experience the change in the wine, which will happen gradually over the course of a dinner if it's just in your glass. So I like to be able to experience that for myself and not have it all go uh, rushing.
rushing through the decanter, if you know what I mean. Yes, which means, by the way, that you have far more patience than I. <laughs> <laughs> or I just have more glasses on the table. When we or have or more glasses. Who knows? You I know, just a little, uh, <laughs> little taste with each course. No problem. I think it's such an interesting perspective, and one you, as our listener, uh, should really make for yourself. So consider um, that you can or cannot decant tonight. Um, but it's certainly most important that you uh, open a good bottle and hopefully enjoy what is a red carpet evening. Um, we've talked and teased so much about your wines, Allison. Mm -hmm. um, tell us where, if we wanted to enjoy that red carpet taste, uh, where we can actually attain that. Sure. We have a very, very limited production of our reserve wines, as you can imagine. Only a few hundred cases. So the 2007... Sterling Vineyards uh, Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon and the 2009 uh, Sterling Napa Valley Chardonnay, you can find directly from the winery, either by visiting or by calling, or you might be able to find it in some very select small wine shops here in the Los Angeles area mm -hmm. or uh, some of the better restaurants as well. We will watch for and look for Sterling Vineyards, no doubt, uh, and continue to follow your fame and success. Congratulations to you on extraordinary wines and for being chosen for an Oscar or maybe as close as, as we'll get. Certainly your red carpet wines being served tonight, Sterling Vineyards, 2009 Reserve Chardonnay and 2007 Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon, quite a, uh, an Oscar-worthy honor. And so we congratulate you. Well, thank you very much. Yes, definitely. So she is Allison Crary. Watch for her, one of a handful of nationally noted women winemakers. You will find her at the helm of Sterling Vineyards. Sterling Vineyards has earned... Uh, definitely worldwide prominence for wines that have true varietal character. I think they have great personality um, and rich flavor and beautiful aroma, and, um, and we're certainly great fans. So it was a pleasure, Allison. Thank you. And enjoy the red carpet, please, for us, and we hope you'll come back and tell us all about the evening. Thank you. It was yeah. wonderful talking with a you. A pleasure. As the delicious conversation continues, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, you have good taste. That's why you're here. Stay tuned. There's more to make you hungry and thirsty right after this. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. Here's to the sweeter side of life. There is so much to love about shortcake at Farmer's Market Los Angeles. The pies, the cookies, the cakes, the scones, the muffins, the donuts, the brownies, the tarts, the croissants. The gorgeous baked goods being dreamt up and baked up daily by pastry chef Huri Sahakian. If you have not been to Shortcake yet, this is the brainchild of Amy Pressman and Nancy Silverton. And what, from what we understand, this incredible pastry chef was a great surprise discovery. She is the talk of the town, and we can't get enough of the chocolate bear claw, the Comte and Time croissant, and the housemaid puffed granola. You can find Huri at this bakery and cafe at the original Farmer's Market, and she joins us live this morning to serve up breakfast. And we're so glad to have you. Welcome to the radio, Hori. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes, a pleasure, of course. Okay, if I could sit down, and I know Lana too, with one of your pastries right now, 
it might just be an almond croissant. And one of the things we love about you, without even knowing you very well, is the fact that you love almond paste. And even better yet, I've come to understand you have another nut addiction. That's right, hazelnuts. <laughs> hazelnuts. Okay, so tell us what you're doing now with hazelnuts. Right now we're making a hazelnut paste to make hazelnut, trifect hazelnut croissant. So mm. it's our take on the traditional almond croissant. We twist it up a little bit and use hazelnuts. I love that. It's one of my favorites. I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, but it's definitely <laughs> one of my favorites. If we wanted to make a nut paste at home like that, Corey, yes. how, how would we do it? Because essentially you can make your own uh, almond paste almonds and sugar and what I believe is a good long run of the food processor which most great cooks don't do enough exactly we are taking lightly toasted hazelnuts or almonds Mm -hmm. throwing them in the food processor with a little bit of sugar and then working them down into a, a meal and then we take that meal and that's what we use to make our paste for the filling for the twice baked and so we beat that with butter and eggs and vanilla and that's what constitutes our our fillings. Um, But what gives it that extra layers of flavor are the croissants get, the croissants are wonderful to begin with because we're using really high quality ingredients. Everything at the bakery has been very carefully sourced. And then we dip the almond croissant in orange blossom water syrup and then the hazelnut croissants in hazelnut syrup. And then you bake them again. And there's this delicious, caramelized, golden, beautiful textural crust. And then the feathery inside that you expect and love from a good Parisian croissant. And then all the flavor that oozes out. And by the way, I love that you don't skimp on the filling. No, the filling's like the best part. That's right. Right? I, that's right. And and I want to have a little bit in every bite. If you would, take us on a virtual tour of the bakery because everybody loves the feel when you walk in to Shortcake. It's very lively. When we came into the bakery, we inherited all of these bunt pans. And we looked at them and there was only a certain number that we would use. So we took them and we painted them all these bright different colors and mounted them on the walls. So when you look up, there's a collage of bump pans that greet you with this pop of color. And we have white marble for our display case and this beautiful case that holds our cakes that we we custom built Mm -hmm. and it looks like a jewel box. Yeah, you know, the whole, uh, the whole feel per se of shortcake is very bright and cheery. And I think a wonderful way to wake up. Um, We know that Angelinos can't get enough of waking up with your puffed granola. And I thought, if I promised you I wouldn't tell anybody, that you might uh, enlighten us to the secrets behind this incredible breakfast. Everybody loves um, your puffed granola with Strauss yogurt. And it's not your traditional granola. Right, it's not. um, Amy and I worked on this recipe together. We take um, oat flakes barley flakes, rye flakes, um, which, you know, usually a granola has oats in it. So we wanted that heartiness with almonds and pepitas and sesame seeds, but we wanted a component that would lighten the granola a bit. So we added puffed rice and puffed kamut. I love that you're using these wonderful Mediterranean grains. Kamut is, um, hasn't made its way yet into the realm of quinoa and farro, 
Right. Uh, but it's one of the oldest uh, Middle Eastern grains, in fact, and it has a wonderful flavor to it. It does. It does. And then with the puffed elements, it gives a lightness to the granola. So you get the hardiness of the flakes and of the nuts and seeds. And then there is this light crunch from the puffed grains. Mm. And it's sweetened with um, organic wildflower honey and maple syrup. Mm. And we bake it long and slow. And, and that's the secret, no doubt. If you have a signature granola recipe and you're listening right now, lucky you, because pastry chef Huri Sahakian just told you low and slow is the way to get that gorgeous caramelization when it comes to granola. Okay, Huri, g- continue to teach us because uh, we would love to know how to make a caramel cream cheese frosting at home. And then we'll get to the Oscars, by the way, because we're celebrating award-winning movies and desserts tonight. So we want your inspiration. This, definitely. This frosting, though, is out of this world. It's definitely fun. We start with sugar and water and make a caramel, and we let it go um, not too dark. And right before, you know, you're about to burn it, we stop it and cool it down in a mixer um, and add butter to it. And as it cools down, we um, take balls of softened cream cheese. You're a woman after my own heart. Yes. You could put balls of softened cream cheese in anything and I would eat it. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) And um, it slowly incorporates into this... um, sweet, nutty mm-hmm. caramel cream cheese frosting. That's very fluffy, by the way. And I think the point that you made is very well taken, and that is the, the cream cheese is not cold. It's at room temperature. It's room temperature, and it's added slowly as you're – so we want to make sure that caramel is completely cooled down, and so you're slowly adding cream cheese, letting it whip with the caramel and mm. get, incorporating air into it. And it's a slow process, so – it's a very fluffy frosting. It is, it's definitely fluffy like a cloud, like air, and it's just so good. Okay, tonight we are celebrating the best movies of the year, and to me, every celebration needs an award-winning menu, Oscars or otherwise, and it needs to be finished with uh, a truly winning dessert. So inspire us if you would. Uh, let's say you were having an Oscar party at home tonight, or if you're going somewhere, what would you make or bring? One of my favorite things at the bakery to take to dinner parties is the chocolate cardamom cream cake and I think of Oscars because it's a black and white cake and it's a black and white event nice love that we have a really great chocolate cake it's super dark and moist and we pair it with a chocolate uh, cardamom cream and so the way you would make a cardamom cream at home is to make a cardamom pastry cream. Mm. Okay, talk to us about using cardamom as well, because I think that it's actually um, rising in popularity as a spice, and we're finding it both sweet and savory. Right. Um, it works in savory dishes, but it's super wonderful paired in sweets, especially with chocolate. Um, it's it's really, it's almost floral, mm-hmm. but there is a, a spice to it as well um and i think it just is really wonderful with the chocolate so we start off with a your typical pastry cream recipe and add a a good amount of cardamom because you want it to stand up to the good quality cream that you're using and to the depth of the chocolate Mm. and we take that pastry cream cool it off and we have whipped cream ready and we fold it in so you get this light cream to pair with the chocolate cake and it is 
just one of those combinations. If you've never had chocolate and cardamom together, you'll want to apply it to every baking method. You'll want to make chocolate cardamom <laughs> cookies and a chocolate cardamom tart. But our favorite is the chocolate cardamom cake. All right, we're going to follow your lead. And everyone baking anything chocolate for Oscar night tonight is adding cardamom. a good healthy amount. That's right, of ground yes. cardamom. How much would you say? Do you add a half teaspoon or a teaspoon to a standard cake batter? I would do a teaspoon. A teaspoon. And, yeah, and at least a tablespoon to a, a cardamom cream. To a cardamom cream. Yes. All right, you got it. We'll let you know how ours turns out. But in the interim, just so you know, we know you're in pursuit of delicious perfection, and we think that you have reached it. Uh, the short story is that pastry chef Huri Sahakian is making delectable desserts, and everyone's talking. The bakery is called shortcake and it's at la farmers market and not only can you have breakfast but for lunch uh, you could join lana for an open-faced toast of slow-cooked broccoli bechamel aged white cheddar and red pepper flake i will be munching on something from the cookie section along with a pear ginger pie and i don't mean a piece i mean a pie <laughs> and maybe a roasted banana tea cake if i'm lucky um Hori, we can't wait to see you at the bakery again. Keep baking, and thank you again for sharing your passion. Your sweets uh, are absolutely delicious. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. A pleasure. As the delicious conversation continues, there's goodness in every bite. Stay tuned. More after this. If I can stay here in Johnny's garden. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio how about dining with a view? This gentleman deserves your attention. We bring you rising star chefs on this show, and there's no doubt he is rising to great fame here in Southern California. Dramatically poised at the edge of the Pacific Ocean on the Palos Verdes Peninsula is Terranea, 102 acres infused with elegance and a classic Mediterranean feel. Eight restaurants, in fact, that will allow you the culinary enthusiast that you are, to raise a glass to California coastal cuisine. He is Michael Fiorelli, and he is the executive sous chef for Terranea. He joins us live to dish on what he's cooking now, why salt matters, and what's on his glitz and glamour menu for Oscar night tonight. It's really nice to have you, chef, on the show. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing great. And you? Great, great. Thanks. Good. Thanks I'm glad. Yes, of course. A pleasure. Right, give, if you would, my listeners a little bit of background because, uh, by the way, not too shabby a resume, Michael. Uh, your background includes the Inn at Little Washington, the Greenbrier, a stint with Carrie Simon, which everyone, uh, of course, knows and loves here in Los Angeles. But uh, share with us a little bit of, uh, of your culinary prowess. You know, all, all those places you mentioned, I kind of just was lucky enough to stumble into those. Hmm. I don't have a formal education. I was actually a, an English lit major. Cooking is all I, I've ever really done. So I, I grew up on the East Coast. I happened to have those restaurants. The Greenbrier being iconic is where I kind of started out, you know, and everything just kind of fell into place from there. Once you work at the Greenbrier, you can kind of write your ticket. So <laughs> on a couple of good recommendations from other chefs that I work with, I just kind of bounced around to these places, finally ending up out here with Terry. I think it's so interesting how you move from the East Coast to the West Coast, but you've so much adopted this very Western style. I know that when you were at the helm of Marcel, and you're now the executive sous for the property, um, you partnered with a master gardener. Your commitment to seasonal produce is definitely evident, and I'd love for you to share that because you've taken on the California lifestyle. Oh, it's amazing. Well, it's the only way to do it out here. It's funny. 
you ask that because being from the East Coast, you hear about this California cuisine, California cuisine. And honestly, a kid that grew up in New York, you think <laughs> California cuisine is like I cook for two hours and then I go surfing for the rest of the day, you know? <laughs> That's the misconception that I always had living on the East Coast. Then when I came out here and I saw the literal bounty of produce that's available on the mm. farmer's markets now popping up in every different little town, you can go to one any day of the week. I mean, there's no other way to cook. It's and then, true. Like you said, I met Jerry Miller, who was a godsend. She's a master gardener, and she just showed up at my door one day at Marcel and said, hey, you want to work together? <laughs> Which was just a gift. And now she's planning four beautiful garden beds outside of the restaurant that she, she's maintaining for me. You know, I actually forecasted, Chef, for 2013 that the best restaurant chefs were going to have growing gardens outside their doors and windows. Because I believe as much as, like you said, the farmer's market has come into our communities and we're supporting local and sustainable, which I love, the restaurant's movement to do that has been a little bit behind. So I love that you're paving the way. We'd love to know what you're growing now. I know for a New York boy, this winter is probably pretty warm for you still, but what is growing in your garden? You know, you'd be surprised how the blood thins when you yes, get out I to the know, West Coast. Yes, I know. <laughs> no, I'm, still, I'm, 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 I'm still bundled up in a sweater these days waiting for the summer. As cold as it seems to us, you know, it's a, it's a great time of year because we get only this short window in California to experience all of that kind of what we call cold weather produce, all the broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, uh, leafy greens, the Swiss chards, kales, things like that. Mm. Some stuff that takes a little more time to develop flavor and a little more uh, resilient to some long cooking, you know, so we love that. Yeah, definitely. I have always believed, and I talk about it often here, kale is king. But I think that Swiss chard is starting to make its way into kale's space, per se. So if you would, enlighten us to your best preparation for Swiss chard, because I think great cooks definitely need to cook more leafy greens. I agree with that for sure. Professional cooks and home cooks, no no one uses enough of them. And they're so versatile. And that's the thing about getting back to... The Swiss chard, the way to prepare it, the, the beautiful thing about Swiss chard is it's so versatile. I'll put it in, in braises. I'll, I'll cook it for a long time. I'll simmer it. I will saute it quickly with some garlic and olive oil and chili flakes like my mom would have. Mm. Um, I finish pastas with it, you know, just a, a fine uh, chiffonade and just toss it at the, in pasta at the very end. And the most uh, interesting thing that, I've, that we've seen, we've been doing with it now at Marcel is we use it uh, we make a cream Swiss chard, almost like we would make a cream spinach, or, oh, or exactly like we would make a cream spinach. Nice. We replace the spinach with uh, chard, and it's just a little more hearty, a little more earthy. Uh, it's a great way to utilize all that uh, Swiss chard that we're getting in the garden right now. I love that idea because the concept of cream spinach being almost, you know, mouthfeel-wise, so smooth and elegant and then the rusticity of the toothsome chard sort of adding a textural component. Oh, it's, it's so good. Sometimes just we'll delicious. Sometimes we'll put it in a, uh, in a dish also and put a little Parmesan cheese and breadcrumbs on top and bake it. And okay. That's the beauty of Swiss chard. It can hold up to all of that. I'm in. Okay. Put, <laughs> put that yeah. under the salamander. I'll be right there. Okay. Uh, seeing that we're talking about your best dishes, tonight is the Academy Awards, of course. Right. It's Oscar night. I wonder what would be on your Oscar menu if you were cooking at home. Give us some inspiration. Well, we've had a lot of fun with it this year at the restaurant and at home. And what I've been doing this year is, more than ever, is working on some really interesting snacks. And the one thing that's really been a hit that I'm excited to do tonight is different flavors of popcorn, which is really cool uh, because it has the movie theme, the popcorn, and everybody's used to just the butter and salt. But I've done some really interesting ones this year. I made a caramel bacon popcorn, which is absolutely fantastic. Okay, wait, wait. Pa- pause there. Recipe, please. Don't worry. I won't tell anybody. 
<laughs> it's, it's easier than you think, uh, if you can cook, of course. Uh, render a little bit of bacon so it gets nice and crispy. Uh-huh. We use uh, cashews, toasted, salted cashews. Mm. And then we make a simple caramel, just like you would a caramel corn. And we toss that all together with a popcorn, some, some flake, large flake sea salt, and then just bake it all in the oven. And it comes out crackly, almost like a grown-up Cracker Jack. Yeah. So good. And then we just break it apart into pieces, and you just get the, the salty fattiness of the bacon mm. and the sea salt with the crunch of the nuts and the sweetness of the caramel. Really, just something different that people go crazy for. There we go. Right. Definitely so. Okay, go on. What other popcorn flavors do you have up your sleeve? Uh, we did a, we did a uh, dark and white chocolate popcorn where we cooked the popcorn, coated half of it with white chocolate, half of it with mm. dark chocolate. So it's uh, really nice and sweet, and then sprinkled it with a little bit of sea salt and gold dust. So it has that elegant kind of over-the-top uh, luxury feel. Oh, I love that. You know, I always keep gold dust, and I, I mean this with all seriousness, a little teeny pot of it in my baking pantry. You because really? I really do, oh, because cool. you could add literal glitz and glamour to anything by dusting it with gold and popcorn is one of those things that really does take on the shimmer we'll um actually but lana and i um, we're having a party at lana's house tonight we'll actually rim our uh, champagne and our cocktail glasses with that gold dust as well or sprinkle it on the top of the cocktails i Very mean cool. you might as well pull out all the stops right absolutely yeah it does it has an element of luxury and people are blown away by it and it's easy it, it definitely is easy um, okay, take us through the rest of your menu. We've got popcorn to start. Okay, we've got popcorn. We do these kind of a twist on different styles of, of comfort food or things that you might use, be used to at a cocktail party. So we, we do these little Kobe beef hot dogs, mm. in a, but we make a homemade brioche bun, and we put them in the brioche buns with all Fun. different kinds of toppings, some with mustard, some with kimchi for a little Korean flavor. Super cool. I love it. Oh, yeah, pickled vegetables. So. I, I love the movie idea and that you've b- brought it, you know, sort of strewn all the way through the menu. Um, speaking of menus, the restaurant Marcel, which you were at the helm of for three years before elevating to Executive Sue, um, has been the talk of the town here in Southern California. I love that the restaurant of the eight at Terranea takes its name from the Spanish term for sea, right, mar, and then the French term for salt, which That's is right. sell. And in doing a little homework on you, chef, I know that Uh-oh. the secret to your food, oh. that's right, is two things you've said, right? That's right. One is love, which, by the way, I have a shaker by the stovetop that's completely empty but marked as love, and I shake it into every dish. And your other secret ingredient? Salt. Salt. You're big on salt. No, secret's out. Secret's <laughs> out, Jamie. <laughs> what, what is your salt of choice? Today uh, might change tomorrow. I, it, uh, it might change tomorrow, but I like a, any kind of uh, large flake, very thin sea salt, something that just can dissolve in your mouth and kind of dissolve on your tongue and coat your whole mouth. Malden salt, I use a lot of. You do. Nice. Yeah, okay. Finishing salt. Uh, with just a minute or so left, tell us the best dish on any menu at Terranea right now. Oh, man. We've I got, know. We, we, we've got eight of them. We've got, okay, well, pick your favorite baby, your favorite child. Uh, my okay. favorite child right now. So uh, how can someone pick their favorite child? I'll lead you there. Somebody told me, and I've not had them, okay. something about lipstick peppers. Oh, oh, man. That's a good one. You've never had a lipstick pepper. Well, I'd like to know more about it. It's on the menu at Terranea? Right, at Marcel. At Marcel, uh-huh. okay. And it's uh, a lipstick pepper. It looks like a almost the shape of a jalapeno, but it's really a sweet pepper, like a bell pepper, but they're real small. Um, and they roast up beautifully. Okay, I think I might call them something else, but I know exactly what you're speaking of. Yep, yep. And we call them lipstick peppers because they look like a little tube of lipstick. And what do you um, do to them? 
we roast them and we stuff them. We do a take on what we call sausage and peppers, but we make a, a sausage, usually a pork or a lamb sausage, and then we add to that uh, black rice and farro, Parmesan cheese, garlic and onions, mm. kind of like, you, like, like an old school kind of stuffed pepper like mm. you do. Yeah. And we stuff that into, those, into the lipstick peppers and then we, and then we uh, put them back on the grill. So the roasted peppers with, all, with that filling. Oh. Or sometimes we'll put, even put them in a dish with a little bit of tomato sauce and bake them for a long time. Oh, they must so be fabulous. Good. So good. It okay. reminds me of stuffed peppers that I grew up on. I was going to say, good, good old memories, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember everywhere we went, but I remember everything we ate growing right. up. It's true. Uh, we can't wait to come see you and uh, live some of your culinary memories and experience the bar menu at Marcel, the dinner menu, which looks exceptional as well, the other seven uh, sights and sounds and absolutely delicious menus and dishes at the California Coast Resort, I call it, Terranea. He is Michael Fiorelli, executive sous chef, really pushing the boundaries. I know it's really important to you to introduce lots of different types of food to guests, and I think that you are no doubt elevating uh, the culinary world here, and we compliment you for that. Uh, May the best movie win tonight, chef. (laughs) Yes, yes, Yes. agreed. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure, with a big handful of popcorn, for sure. Yes. Yes, you can learn more at terranea.com. What a gorgeous property it is, T-E-R-R-A-N-E-A.com, and a delicious one at that. We look forward to seeing you soon, chef. See ya. As the delicious conversation continues, there's more culinary inspiration right after this. Don't go away. This is a place for people that love to eat, delivering the world of food directly to your radio every Sunday. Right here on KFWB News Talk 980, Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. If you're planning an Oscar party this evening, if you're a movie buff or you just can't wait for a night in with uh, long, wonderful hours to remember what was considered a very great movie year this year, we have the cocktail for you. So, cocktails inspired by the nine films nominated this year for Best Picture. Um, This year's slate is an amazingly diverse group of films. They tell stories that are set in the U.S., in Europe, as Lana mentioned earlier, many of them in the Middle East, and the open sea. And just like the film we have some drink ideas for you that are a mix of styles and complexity. So, Lana, no matter what's your favorite movie, we do have a cocktail, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we both agree Argo was truly one of our favorite films this year, right? And so if you are an Argo lover, the thrilling film about the Iran hostage crisis, uh, there is a cocktail with the com- Canadian ambassador in mind. The drink is a blend of scotch whiskey, a little bit of St. Germain, Uh, a little bit of Campari, lemon, basil, and ginger ale. It's really a twist on the classic Americano cocktail, but it's one of the most popular cocktails in Canada. Ben Affleck, who plays the role of the CIA agent Tony Mendez, actually drinks scotch in a couple scenes from the movie. So make sure if you're an Argo lover that scotch is on your cocktail list. Lana, do you want to mention the Zero Dark Thirty? Because I love this idea. What could be better um, than uh, in the retelling of the hunt for Osama bin Laden, a riff on the classic? Oh, uh, riff on dark and stormy cocktail. Yeah, I, I think there's something just truly dark about the movie, no doubt, <laughs> and then something to go along with it for the cocktail. Well, this cocktail usually uses dark rum, lime, and ginger beer. Yes. Uh, so, um, you know, you could use Coca-Cola as a variation in here. Yes. And um, make a fabulous drink. If you use zero, 
you know, Coke Zero, mm-hmm. then you've got the Zero in the go. Dark 30. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're a Life of Pi lover and you loved watching The Tiger at Sea for 227 days, then you must make a cocktail with Indian flavor. And we're suggesting the flavor of lemongrass. You can actually muddle lemongrass, which Rob Floyd taught me, the uh, exceptional master mixologist mm-hmm. when he created his Asian cocktail when we first met him from the SLS Hotel and Jose Andres's Bazaar Restaurant. Um, you can, or the Bazaar, he's not bizarre at all. He's quite <laughs> fabulous, actually. Um, lemongrass definitely brings an Indian flavor. So consider um, creating a tiger-striped cocktail of some sort if you're a Django Unchained fan Leonardo DiCaprio orders a pearl cocktail in the movie um, and it's interesting cocktails didn't have names before 1962 and the movie's set in 1959 so if you really want something as old as the movie based you know is based on you should probably make an old-fashioned that's what I'm thinking so you've got a cocktail for Dago, uh, uh, Django rather Unchained Lana, Les Mis and Amour, both um, set uh, French epics. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Oh, I think, of course, of French champagne. Yes, I was thinking. very nicely. And I had different things to it, whether it be a pomegranate uh, syrup or um, any of the flavored fruit syrups that you'd like to add to it. And I think a truffle deviled egg to go with that, which mm. is so French inspired as well. That sounds fabulous. I'm wishing that's your favorite movie for tonight. Mm. And you're going to surprise us all with a new and intriguing cocktail. We are rimming the glasses at our Oscar party tonight at your house with shimmering gold sugar. I don't particularly care what you're drinking. Your glass is going to be rimmed in shimmering gold <laughs> sugar, <laughs> whether it be lowball or uh, champagne glass. A uh, beast of the Southern Wild. Uh, what a an incredible story! The mm. tale of Hush Puppy. This incredible little girl, nine years old, nominated for Best Actress Academy Award. Um, but because they are known in an area as the bathtub, Louisiana's steamy wetlands, you have to make a Green Lantern cocktail. And then last but not least, Silver Linings Playbook, based on, of course, the Philadelphia story, the Philadelphia Eagles. You have to have something Philly. So Yards, Philly Pale Ale, one of the first um, creations of a microbrew, definitely from Philadelphia and a good old pale ale in a bottle will honor that Philadelphia genre. Uh, I think those are the cocktails that will cover the nine Oscar-worthy performances that are nominated for tonight's Academy Awards. They all sound fabulous. And with that said, uh, we were considering for our technique of the week how um, to tie in um, the flavor of the Oscars. But we thought, better yet, we would make something um, that we both love and give it as a gift um, at the end of our Oscar party for breakfast the next morning. The technique of the week posted at chefjamie.com is how to make brilliant banana bread. And Lana, I thought it was the best crumb you've ever produced. And it has quite a magical <laughs> secret. Well, what I did was I put uh, um, baking powder into sour cream, into the sour cream, which creates an acidic reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then dropped it into the eggs and uh, milk and other uh, ingredients. It's really uh, creating a whole liquid mixture and then making up your uh, flour mixture and dumping the flour into the liquid. It's quite an easy recipe. It is, and I call it magic. This technique is really what we've come to find out, one from a grandmother's past. Mm -hmm. And um, the combination of sour cream and baking powder creates the most beautiful crumb in this banana bread recipe. Lana's recipe is posted as the 
joke of the week, our best banana bread. It's made with butter instead of oil for flavor and texture. It is the top banana. You can make it with a stand mixer or in a large mixing bowl, and it's posted at chefjamie.com. We want to give a shout-out to the Ducks and Tucks. We were delighted to be with the Anaheim Ducks on Friday night for a preview of their event that sells out very early, supposedly. You have to get your ticket now for next year. Um, But a bunch of fabulous chefs were there to cook to support the Anaheim Ducks Foundation and to support the community. And we saw Bobby Ryan, the Ducks player who's such a foodie, and Bruxy's was there making pork belly waffles and our dear friend Bruno Serrato from the Anaheim White House serving up bison. And it was truly delicious. And um, we're glad to support, and we hope you will too. Coming up next Sunday, we're going to talk about the best pizza toppings ever. We have more than 50 listed so far, so wait till you hear it. And if you'd like to add to our list and weigh in, you can always write to us live at chefjamie.com. Our last bite today is all about a two-ingredient sorbet. Have any pineapple in the house? Well, freeze the chunks, then throw them into the food processor with a few mint leaves, and you have a pineapple mint sorbet perfect for Oscar night. Please tune in next Sunday when the delicious conversation continues. You'll hear from Champagne and Caviar's Robin Leach, Mark Garcia of McCormick Spices, and Chelsea Prince talking about Rock and Vine, the next generation of winemakers. May the best movie win. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana signing off. We thank you for listening and we hope you continue to eat well. Until next Sunday, we'll see you at chefjamie.com. The preceding program has been brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment.